Welcome into this Eastern Conference Wednesday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 26th. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Mike DiStefano. As always, you can catch Mike on Locked On Maple Leafs and myself on Locked On Senators. Every Wednesday, we have the Battle of Ontario edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. And today, we're going to get into some surprises. Now, two weeks into the NHL season, some players that have impressed us and We'll take a peek at the bottom of the standings. Who is most shockingly outside looking in? This is the Locked On NHL podcast, your team every day. Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen. We appreciate it if you wouldn't mind clicking the thumbs up. If you're watching us on YouTube, the podcast is also available five days a week on your favorite audio podcast platforms. Mike, I almost stopped the recording when I said in the intro that we would look at the teams on the outside looking in. I've got a rule that you don't even look at the standings until Christmas. But what's been your biggest surprise now as we've entered nearing the 10-game mark of the season? I just like I know you're right. We don't look at anything really until you know American Thanksgiving time. But you just look at the Atlantic, and it's not typically how things shake out. Like you don't typically see uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning with the exact same record as the Montreal Canadiens, tied for dead last in the Atlantic. You don't typically see Toronto in sixth place. Instead, you've got the Bruins up top. That I guess isn't you know you, you see that coming from time to time. But with the injuries, you certainly didn't. To be fair. And then you got Ottawa in third place. You got Buffalo, pretty solid start to the season, went in, rolled through Western Canada. And you got Detroit, who's 3-1-2, and two, finally took their first regulation loss of the season um, last night. But I think just like the, the strength of the Atlantic, and it's not that I didn't see it coming, but I think it's going to be even more parity than I even anticipated uh, at the beginning of the year. So just last night, the Buffalo Sabres suffered their first road loss of the year. But to me, them within the Atlantic division, we knew Ottawa took a step in the offseason. Was it going to translate to wins right away with a four-game home streak? Maybe not, but even Detroit, everyone said they were going to take a step. Toronto and Tampa, again, like they're going to find their footing. they'll, They'll be fine. But to me, Buffalo is the most shocking team that's as high as they are. And they've been winning games on the road, like going in and beating Calgary, beating Edmonton in their own buildings. I think that's super impressive. Look at Rasmus Dahlin taking a huge step as well. Well, don't forget about Vancouver. Well, I, I wasn't impressed at that one. <laughs> they, they laid a beat down on the Vancouver Canucks as well. Uh, to uh, I mean, we saw some jerseys hit the floor, but you know, oh, we, leave, we leave the Western Conference talk to the folks. On, uh, on the Western Conference shows now on Tuesdays. We talk about the, um, you know, the, the Buffalo Sabres. I, I do question w- how legitimate it is, though. Like, how legitimate is this start? Are they a team that's turned the corner? Like, I had Marty Baron on my show today, and we were talking with him. He's a Sabres analyst. And I asked him, like, do you think this team is, is ready to compete? Because they went through, and they steamrolled through Western Canada. They, they beat 
Calgary, they beat Edmonton, two teams who we expect to playoff teams at the end of the year. Are is Buffalo in that situation? And he seems to not think so. He thinks that they got some really good goaltending from Eric Comrie on that trip. Um, Craig Anderson. I mean, you watch Craig Anderson on the first night for the Sabers defeated uh, the Senators, but the Sens should have won that game. But Craig Anderson stood on his head. Same thing. He did the exact same thing in Vancouver over the weekend. So they've gotten some steady goaltending. Rasmus Dahlin, um, he's got five goals already. Alex Tuck with six in uh, six or seven games. But they haven't gotten a whole lot after that. And I think that's where we'll start to see a little bit of regression if you dive you know, into the numbers like we do you know, quite often sometimes here. You know, despite being so high up in the standings, they have the eighth worst expected goal differential at 45%. So, you know, they've really relied on some great goaltending to be quite like terrific goaltending. Um, but I, I think that things are going to regress a little bit. I don't see Buffalo as a team that's quite there yet. Ottawa, on the other hand, that's your team. Those are your guys. I like what I'm seeing out of your Ottawa Senators, Ross. I know it is tough with the news today, though. Josh Norris is going to potentially miss the rest of the season. Yeah. Like, just after signing a monster eight-year deal, he's in the first month of it. That will pay 30, 35 last year? Sorry? What did he score, 35 goals last year? 66 games, yeah. And, he, wow. and those 16 games he missed were because of a shoulder injury, and it's the same shoulder, different injury. DJ Smith saying this morning that he's going to feel lucky if Norris plays another game in the regular season, which is just crushing the kid. Like he had a goal and an assist start this season, two points in five games. Wasn't like lighting it up per se, but he's just such a steady presence, 23 years old. And like, I was shooting it with Pilsy this morning saying like, does he come back as a winger? Like he got hurt on a non-contact play on a face-off and it's his third major injury to his shoulder. He was hurt at the World Juniors, missed the final half of his college season at Michigan. Then last year, 16 games. Now he's out three, four, five months. Like at some point, you got to look long-term with this. And then you have Shane Pinto, who might be the story of the NHL through the first two weeks. Five-game goal streak, most by an Ottawa Senator under the age of 22 in in franchise history. Like, um, is he going to get moved up? They looked at moving Derek Broussard, a name who'd be familiar to a lot of teams, especially the Eastern Conference, because he's played for about eight of them since yeah. leaving Ottawa, he had a goal in his first game of the season. So how long can they ride with him between DeBrinket and Giroux? I don't Dude, know. I, I Please put Pinto up there. I, I put a sizable wager on Pinto called yep. the trophy odds the other day, a plus 2,300. If you can get Pinto up there in the top six, and I think that he could do it. Like, I, I think that he's a really good player. Like, that guy can really shoot the puck, and he could fill in for some of those 35 goals that, you know, Norris had a season ago. Um, I selfishly really want to see Shane Pinto take that yeah, opportunity. You know, one, one of your favorite players, though, Tyler Mott's the guy who's riding shotgun with Shane Pinto right now. He's got six points in six games. They picked him up in mid-August on a one-year, $1.35 million deal. A sweetheart deal, man. I'm so pissed. So pissed at that sweetheart deal. Yeah, we, we talked to John Chick from Lockdown Rangers right when the deal went down. And he goes, the only bad part about this deal for you guys is it wasn't three, four years. Like, yeah. that's how good of a player this guy is. And yeah. he just does all the little things. And now you're seeing it. He he looks to be like kind of this this version of the Senators, Connor Brown. Like, he's doing everything on both sides of the puck. Just every little thing right. And now he's finishing too. It's it's wild how how accomplishing he is when, he, when he's on the ice. Efficient, I should say, not accomplishing. Yes. Very, very efficient player. Super strong on the puck, too. 
I've yep. been told by uh, by some guys who played against them, nobody has a harder stick, a chop at the stick, and a little like that guy's got some some wrist strength, like some forearm strength, because he's got an absolute lumber jack of a of a uh, of a top likes to put down there too. So that's uh, you know it's 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 on both ends for Tyler Mott. But you know what? Uh, outside of I guess just the strength of the Atlantic, what else kind of uh, has surprised you so far in the Eastern Conference to start the year? Well, I'm going to use the Senators to push this conversation even further, but it's it's how these young kids continue to come in the NHL and play so well right off the bat. Jake Sanderson is top five in expected goals percentage in the entire wow. National Hockey League among defensemen, and wow. he's played five games, six games now. And you look at Buffalo, not only is Darlene finally exploding, as a first overall pick should, some might say it took him longer to get there, defenseman and all that he's there now still at 23 years old but how about Owen Power coming in and continuing to look the part in in uh, in Buffalo too I, I think that he's been great and just the the young talent across the NHL I know we focus in the east but like second year player Matt Boldy in, in Minnesota he is a player and I know you saw him in Toronto the other night he's coming to Ottawa uh, tomorrow like just the, the amount of young guns who are stepping in and playing so well. Even uh, Slavkovsky's had a couple plays in uh, Montreal, but really it's Cole Caulfield's show there. He's also now up to, to five goals on the season uh, for I'm, them. So it, It's I'm, great to see for the league, man. The league's in a great place. Oh, absolutely. And, and you bring up Slavkovsky. Like that decision's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks, whether or not they, they keep him around or if they decide to let him go and, and, and slide the contract an extra year, you know, nine games is, is what they're allowed to get that little look-see as a rookie before burning that first year. I'll be curious to see where they're going to sit when it comes to Slavkovsky. He hasn't quite looked out of place. You know, to me, I thought that he's looked pretty good so far. And um, to, to be he's fair, I've watched every game that the Canadians have played, but he hasn't looked like he's been extremely overwhelmed at the very least. I'll be curious. I, I think he might be able to to stick it in, in, in the NHL for the year. If not, he it's a weird scenario. Well, not weird, but because he's a European player, he can actually go into the American League. He doesn't even have to go back to junior. So that might also be best for his development too. But they've got that decision looming over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he actually missed the, the last game that they played against Minnesota last night with a minor injury, they're calling it, after scoring his first NHL goal on, on uh, the weekend against Arizona. Now, did you see the play? when he scored his first goal and how he just absolutely went at Josh Brown afterwards. Uh, yes. The eye, the eyes he gave him. But did you see at the start of the play, like Josh Brown tried to take his head off at the blue line. So oh, yeah. bounced off of him, went to the net, beat him in a foot race and then went to him and then told him to go away. I'll say as the PG version of it. But I thought that that was a, a good showing of, of a young man who's, physically imposing but you know that he's going to have to prove to NHL guys that he's not going to be pushed around before they give him the uh, certain amount of respect that a first overall pick should and will eventually garner at the NHL level but yeah beyond that I, I said before the season right you got to get Kent Johnson in the mix he didn't make the team right out of camp well he's played seven games now and he's up to five points after a three-point performance the other night so I had Columbus probably a little higher. They're already proving me wrong. Remember, I had them as fifth in the in the Metropolitan Division. Who did I have? Who did I have as my Metro team? New Jersey. I'm not sold on New Jersey though just yet. I mean, I don't know. you go. You look at the numbers, dude. Number one in expected goals for. Number one in expected goals against. They're defending. 
They're scoring. They just can't buy a save, which we all knew was kind of going to be a bit of a worry for them with uh, Vanacek and, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Although Blackwood did technically get second star of the week last week, but the other yeah. night against Washington could not buy a save. Couldn't buy yeah. one. But, uh, I, I like I like the cluster of guys. Dude, Jesper Brat leads the NHL in points. Yeah. Jesper Brat, 12 points so far. And you look at the points, uh, you know, points per 60, or at five on five, nine points of those 12 coming at five on five leads the entire NHL. Eight of the nine being primary points too, which means he's the one who's kind of driving play out there. Dude, Jesper Brat, he's, uh, he's, he really had a breakout year last season. He might be the real deal. He might have himself, you know, uh, quite the, the, the um, what they call it, encore season to that. Wasn't he like a sixth round pick too, like four or five years? Like he was a late, late draft pick and he has turned into a player. So that's another kind of surprise, I suppose, um, through the first couple of weeks of the NHL season on the, in the East. And you know his agent is licking his chops after the RFA signed only a one-year deal all the way into August. So you know that negotiation went back and forth. They settled on one year, 5.45, and you can already say he's in for another significant raise. Speaking of raise, let's take a look at some of the top teams right after a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors right here on the Locked On podcast network we are talking about our friends at bet online bet online is your number one source for betting all things hockey and football and basketball you can find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth analysis on every game and as always bet online remains your continued source for all things sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there, you'll never feel behind the eight ball when you have Bet Online because Bet Online has your one stop shop. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's betonline.net where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On NHL podcast for Wednesday, October 26th. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators alongside Mike DiStefano from Locked On Maple Leafs. And we've talked about a couple surprising things so far in the Eastern Conference. But I think we have to give credit to a top team that will just never seem to die. They lost their longtime captain in Zdeno Char. They were an aging core. They lost David Krejci, who's now back. But Patrice Bergeron... David um, Pasternak, and the whole host of other characters there, even with the injuries to Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy, they've started the season 6-1. and one. Linus Allmark is 5-0. and oh. Like, what's the biggest reason to you why they've had so much success? Well, yeah, that's right. Like, Tuka Rask was also part of that aging core who did retire, and they replaced them with Swayman and Linus Allmark. I loved the Allmark deal last year. Didn't quite turn out to work out in year one, but so far through year two. Um, it's looking like a pretty good contract for uh, for him. I think he signed like five million by five, either four by five or five by five. And you know, I think the the Bruins would say early on, "All right, we like what we're getting here." But honestly, I'm, I'm I am quite shocked. I thought maybe they would get off to a slow start. No Charlie McAvoy, no Brad Marchand. Who knew what you were going to get out of David Krejci? Um, they really haven't gotten much out of Taylor Hall either, surprisingly, early on in the year. Yet they still continue to win hockey games. Um, they even got a new coach. Like, it's just a new situation over there. But year after year, they seem to to never go away. 
I gotta I gotta tip my hat to you, Ross. I gotta tip my hat to you. David Pasternak, I goofed on you when you said Dark Horse MVP candidate. I goofed on you no more than three weeks ago, probably, right here on the show. That guy's got himself in the conversation right now. Certainly got himself in the conversation. Yeah, so right? yeah, like it's 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 what he's doing, especially with all the injuries kind of leading this team. Uh, I, I'm I'm shocked at what's going on uh, out out in Boston. I shouldn't be, because they do this each and every year. But there's just so much adversity, and they seem to just be trucking along, next man up mentality. You gotta love the culture out there in, in Beantown. Yeah, they've won three straight games. They've got a plus ten goal differential, which is tied for Vegas for number one in the National Hockey League. Their only loss came, well, I had boots on the ground. The Ottawa's home opener, a seven-five game. Crazy to think that Ottawa scored seven of the 20 goals that Boston has allowed in one of their seven games. So they've only allowed six. Love bringing that up. Anytime you can talk about that night, that day. Pelzi called it his best Tuesday of his life. So, yeah, we'll bring it up a couple more times. I had to make sure he wasn't born on a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) I was born on a Friday the 13th. Good. uh, This this is true. This is true news. Um, But the Bruins, like (laughs) – the Canucks and the and the Leafs, so yeah, yeah, a couple of unlucky bounces there. We'll leave the Canucks woes to our Western Conference counterparts. Again, you can listen to Locked On NHL five days a week, and you get different voices, different analysis from each of our Locked On NHL hosts, including Gil Martin, Jess Belmosto, and a whole host of others. Adam Denker, I'm sure, is having a little trouble right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning stumbling out of the gate. What's your thoughts on on how they've started? My thoughts are, I think they underestimated how important both Andre Palat and Ryan McDonough were for their club. Those are my thoughts. I, I think that, you know, in every team that's that's had to do this, where they've had to, you know, turn guys over due to the salary cap and they just keep losing guys. Chicago had to do this many times. Pittsburgh's had to do this. And, and, and eventually you just lose a couple of key guys and it's just – too hard to replace at the end of the day, right? Like Ross Colton and, and Brandon Hagel haven't been able to replace uh, the way that they maybe thought they could. Um, Andre Palat and, 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 you know, I think defensively they're, they're hoping to get a little bit more out of, uh, out of that bottom four that they got there that that's to re- supposed to replace Ryan McDonough. And it just hasn't happened yet. Am I worried about them? Absolutely not. It's too good of a team. They will write the ship. I think they're just kind of figuring out exactly, you know, what role, who's going to be the guy to kind of take the reins here, take the bull by the horns and um, kind of fill those roles a little bit more. Will they exactly fill in those holes? Maybe not. But, you know, I do like the pieces there and, and just need someone to go out there and grab it. But I'm not worried about them. I'm not uh, I'm not pressing the panic button by any means on the team that's gone to the Stanley Cup final three straight years. Yeah, if anybody has an excuse for a slow start, it's a team that hasn't had very many long summers. And even during COVID, was in the bubble for month after month on end. And then from there, went to go celebrate for two months straight. And as you would expect someone to do after being cooped up and then coming out victorious in what was, what, a 24-team bubble? 212-team bubbles? Is that how many? Because I know Ottawa was among – it was like five or six teams that didn't get invited. I'm actually glad that I pushed this memory deep down. That bubble lifestyle, that was tough, tough times. Yeah, you're telling me. 
Toronto lost to in five games to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I was producing it, and at that time, during the pandemic, everyone could use as much money as possible. Leaf games meant shifts for me. So that was as close as I'll ever be to rooting for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they couldn't even get it done for me. Wow. Sad. Speaking of the Maple Leafs, I mean, as we transition into turmoil teams and, you know, the Leafs are also among the basement dwellers, uh, unfortunate, well, not the basement dwellers, but they're in the bottom half of the Atlantic division. Not what you would expect to see out of them. And I don't know, man, it's, it's kind of upsetting to see, you know, like me, me and Dave, you know, we get into it every day talking on locked on Leafs about, you know, what to expect from this team. But, you know, so far through seven games, three of them, they haven't even woke up to play that game. Might have just packed it in right at puck drop. That's, concerning it's it's there, there's some concerns there like some growing trends where three out of seven games so three games you, you you decided not to show up and you're like okay basically every other game you're not sure it's it is slight concerning there's some goalie drama early with with murray's injury um you know muzzin's injured he was placed on ltir uh the the goals aren't dropping for the big boys i don't know if you saw this but there is a massive shake up to the lineup uh today Mark Masters, I can actually pull it up for you if you want. I yeah, while you're pulling it up, I can just show you what the point it's got to right now on Twitter. Somebody posted a meme today with Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares, and it said five goals. And then on the other side, it was Brady Kachuk, and it said five goals. Yeah, it's 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 gruesome. Uh, what's going on here? These are what the lines look like today. Completely put in a blender. Wow. Kerfoot up with Matthews and Marner. Robertson, Tavares, and Nylander. They remain intact. They've been pretty solid. Bunting down on the third line. Yarncroft moves into the center with Dennis Mulgan as the third line right winger. And they got Zach Aston, Reese, David Camp, and Pierre Engvall, who's been relegated back onto the fourth line there um, with Simmons and, uh, and, and Abe Kubel likely to get the night off tomorrow in San Jose. And then the blue line remains status quo, I suppose, with, with Riley Brody, Sandine Hall, and then uh, Giordano Mete with the injuries still to uh, Jake Muzzin and Timothy Lilligren. But, like, there's some there's some warts in this team. There's some, some concerns in this team. Do I think, again, am I sounding the panic alarm? No, I'm not. I think that they'll figure it out. Austin Matthews isn't going to remain at a 3% shooting percentage all season long. But it's more so bigger picture, the fact that they haven't been able to wake up for three of seven games. Like, the starts have just been brutal. Bigger picture, that's kind of what does worry me a tad. Yeah, and with Muzzin, I believe, just went on LTIR today. So, who knows? Mitch Marner didn't really seem too confident right after the injury happened. He said something about he just wants to see him live a a healthy life. Like, is there a chance? That might not see Jake Muzzin again. There is. And, 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 you know, from everything that I've heard talking with some of the insiders, you know, like Chris Johnston and Darren Dreger, like there's going to be a lot of caution taken with Jake Muzzin. And, you know, it's possible we don't see him play the rest of the year. I know he's not going to play for the next little while. He had a checkup in Toronto before they went on the road trip. And then clearly the news that they got back wasn't all that encouraging where they decided to, go from IR and transfer on to LTIR. Um, I don't know if that means that they're bracing to, to make a deal of some kind. Perhaps that could be the case because uh, they did open up a little bit of cap space by making that move. But it's tough, you know, like he's, he's first and foremost, you feel for the player. 
right? You just feel for the guy who just wants to go out there, loves playing hockey, loves being with the in the thick of it with his teammates, and um, not going to be able to do that for for a while. And that's three injuries from shoulders up. They haven't called it a concussion, but from the shoulders up that uh, he sustained in the last calendar year. So um, definitely not good, not good there at all. Um, did you happen to see the was it Andy Strickland and um, is it Strickland and Jansen that do the podcast together? Yeah, it is. And I want you to save that thought because I'm really intrigued to hear where this is going. But first, I got to tell you about our friends at Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn that level of trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe at my home. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection, and their monitoring services use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize your perfect system for your home in just minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. F R E E. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, Mike. Here we are, Locked On NHL. It's another Wednesday edition as we bring this one home. Stay tuned at Locked On Network on Twitter. Every Wednesday afternoon, all the Locked On hosts release their power rankings. We all put our lists in. They get put in the system, jumbled up, and spat out Locked On Network. The boys will break that down on tomorrow's Locked On NHL. In the meantime, if you want to catch Mike and I, you can find me at Send Central on Twitter or at Ross Levitan. The show is Locked On Senators. Mike and David have their show Locked on Leafs. Go subscribe to that on YouTube where you can get deep dive into the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. All shows have great hosts. It's local experts on the biggest stories right here on Locked on NHL. Mike, what's the Andy Strick podcast you want to get into? So uh, they, they ended up having, it's the Cayman Strick podcast is what it's called. Yes. And they had Barry Trotz on their podcast. Great get, fantastic guest, and one of the better coaches in probably NHL history. But certainly we'll call him the number one free agent coach out on the market. And there was a lot of teams, including the team, well, the city you currently residing in, in Winnipeg, who definitely wanted them some Barry Trotz this offseason. And he said, I'm not ready to coach yet. Um, I've got some other personal matters that I want to deal with. Maybe in December-ish, I can kind of re, uh, you know, get back into things potentially. Well, he was also asked if there was any opportunity if he'd be willing to coach in a Canadian team, and he came out and talked about, you know, what it would be like to coach in the Canadian market. He hasn't done it before in his career, but then also legitimately out of nowhere brings up, but coaching in an original six market would be pretty cool. You know, and that got the ears of a lot of people up here in Toronto because, I mean, those that's them and in Montreal would be the only two teams that check both those boxes, right? I think the original conversation was probably leading towards maybe Vancouver with the whole Bruce Boudreaux situation, and they need to lock it down on, on defense and get some structure. 
But when he brought up the original six angle and how he would like to coach an original six team potentially, that kind of got some ears perked up here in Toronto. What 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 do you think about Barry Trotz and and that whole situation potentially? Well, I know that he's making $4 million for the rest of this year if he doesn't coach an NHL team. So I think that's got to be something that for his family, he's probably thinking about, hey, why don't I just spend more time here the rest of the year? Let it sink in. This was his final year of his contract with the Islanders. And then he's free to sign anywhere in the offseason. I just don't know why he'd rush into anything. Of course, he's going to handpick his location. I'm sure there's a number of teams who would fire whoever their head coach is now to get their hands on Barry Trotz. That's how much he can impact a game. I still can't believe the way that the Islanders were like, oh, we can't dare lose Lane Lambert as an associate coach. We have to make this move right now. That we could do a whole podcast on. The Islanders just with two wins in their first handful of games. So I don't know what they were thinking, first things first. But Almost yeah. like the personnel was the issue there and not the coaching. Yeah, and who's in charge of the personnel? Oh, that would be Mr. Lou Lamorello. Which we both have our thoughts on as he – did a few things in Toronto and while well, Ottawa's paying for one of those things right now with a player up in their press box in number 22, Nikita Thank Zaitsev. You, Nikita. Thank you, Nikita. Yeah. Well, if you had told me when the trade went down that Nikita Zaitsev would last longer in Ottawa than Connor Brown, I'd have called you crazy. And I would have called you even crazier if you told me that Cody Cece would move on past Toronto and actually be a very solid defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> he's like, he's got one of the best expected goals percentage him and his pair with, uh, with nurse are one of the best analytic pairs in the NHL, which is a far cry. All Everyone seemed up in arms when Nurse signed that big ticket. And who's to say it won't continue to age any which way? But he and CeCe, have, uh, the numbers are showing that they're a pretty solid pair this year. You're starting to pull a pillsy on us here. You're going westward. You're going I know, westward, my friend. Man, just saying with Cody CeCe. But it all comes back to Lou Lamorello and signing some absurd contracts from time to time. And I think really – he just relies on older players a little too much. It's a young man's game. He does. He does. But to, to get back to the coaching, you know, talking point that, that yeah. we were chatting about to potentially, um, you know, Barry Trotz being an option somewhere. Is there anybody who you think is like really outside of Bruce Boudreaux? Mm-hmm. Someone in the East. Is there a team that you think is like a coach is already on the hot seat? Well, when you mentioned Barry Trotz and original six, the other team he was interviewing with was Detroit. Right, he was interviewing with Detroit and Winnipeg. So there's an original six team, and I don't. I would imagine if he wanted the job, Stevie Y was giving Barry Trotz the job over a guy. No disrespect to uh, the head coach now in in Detroit. I'm I'm blanking on his Uncle name. Fester. You mean Uncle Fester? Yeah, exactly. What What's his actual name though? I. Oh man, he was, he was former coach. assistant in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the former assistant in Tampa Bay Red Wings coach. I need to find it. Derek Lalonde. Thank you. That's it. I always call him Uncle Fester. So yes, yes. Uh, but you'd think that a guy with zero NHL experience or Barry Trotz, like I don't know, I'm speculating, but I feel like Barry Trotz would have the inside track. I don't know, man. But like five, five games, six games into into his tenure, you think you're gonna let go of a coach? No, 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 no. That was more your point that that he said uh, coaching an original six team would interest him. That's what I was bringing back to. From, from what you said he he wrote on or quoted on the cam and strict podcast but no a team that coach is already in the hot seat like i mean to me it probably would have been the islanders but they just have a new coach like you're probably going to give them a little time and again more of a personnel thing than a coaching thing um lindy ruff got booed at the home opener which i They've still think is ridiculous there's no way like that no. team is playing great hockey analytically they've been the best team 
in the NHL? Like I, I don't think there is uh, a coach who's on the hot seat yet in the Almost Eastern 69% Conference. 69% expected goals for the right. New Jersey Devils this year. 69%. There expected were so many goals. goals. Expected the, goals for number one. Just, go ahead. 20, 20 goals expected for. I'll just really quick on the Devils. 20 goals expected for number one in the NHL. Goals against. 9.16. Ah, actually, as of a couple of days ago, that's shrunk. They're second in the NHL and expected goals against at 916. But still, an expected goals of 69% for the New Jersey Devils through seven games of the year. Almost every team in the Eastern Conference has changed coaches within the last two years. Like the only teams that haven't are Ottawa. Like Ottawa, like DJ Smith's like the third longest tenured coach in the Eastern Conference. There's Mike Sullivan. I'm trying to tee you up for it. Is 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 Toronto? Would they make that move? Would Toronto oh, go there? Is no, what I'm asking you. Oh, no, Kyle, Kyle Dubas. Six and Canadian. It's a struggling team there. I don't know how I had to connect those dots for you, Rossi. Because it's just not happening. I think that I think Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe are going down on the same ship if they're going down. If if they if this team is still like 500 ish, playing inconsistent. By American Thanksgiving, by like maybe even early December. So let's say December first, and this team's kind of hovering around a five hundred, a game, a game or two over five hundred, maybe a couple games over, and they're just still not bringing that consistency. They don't find their groove and go out on a on a run here. I could see it happening. Well, that's I a really hot. Think, I don't think that's that hot of a take, man. Wow. Like if if they replicate what we saw over the past seven games. For the next month, I, I, I like clearly it's a stale message because the players aren't waking up for it. I don't know if you saw the game against Vegas, but they came out so flat to start the game and then even flatter to start the second period and then somehow escapes this first 40 minutes with a 1 1 tie chance to say, All right, boys, we've got two days off here in Vegas. Let's go out there and have a great third period, try and win this hockey game that we're somehow still in, thanks to our goaltender. And they played maybe the worst opening shift of hockey I've ever seen in my life to start the third period. It was disgusting. And it's like, how much of that is on the coach? How much of that is on the players? Arguably, you could say a lot of it's on the players. And is it fair to suggest that Sheldon Keefe should be fired because the players aren't really getting up for him? Like, maybe not, but... It's similar to the situation we saw last year to go back to Vancouver with Travis Green. Where Travis Green, he was a good coach, but the players just weren't doing anything for him. And they needed to do something to shake up that team for the betterment of the franchise. If this team is still kind of a meh team a month from now, I could see Kyle Dubas as his one final bullet. That's the only thing that I think he would do. I think he goes down the ship with the core. I think the coach could be on the chopping block a month from now if things don't turn around. I'm going to have to reach out to our friends at Bet Online and see if we can get some odds on Barry Trotz Ooh. being head coach of the Leafs this year. What do what, what you put the odds at? Sheldon Keefe was the was was the betting odds favorite at the beginning of the year to be the first coach fired, and I came out and said that's preposterous. Things would have to go so wrong for that to happen. It's it's kind of happening. <laughs> like wow. it's kind of happening. It's still early. I'm not advocating for a coaching change. I don't think you make it yet. What I'm saying is if we see the same the same situation a month from now, then you start to get concerned. And I think that conversation pops up considering Trotsy says he's probably ready to go to a original six 
maybe a Canadian market by December. Well, Babs was fired November 18th or so. Thanksgiving's November 24th. A week after that, you've got yourself December. So I think he's got to, I don't know, Sheldon to me, I think he's got to start to, he's got to turn this team around, or the players do. For more on that, Mike DiStefano and David Morasuti will have you covered over at Locked On Leafs. And to make your second listen, one of our great Locked On NHL podcasts. From coast to coast, we have your local experts on the biggest stories. So go check them out on your favorite podcast catcher and on YouTube. We'll step aside. Locked On NHL will continue tomorrow. But for today, we say goodbye. For Mike DiStefano, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On NHL podcast, your team every day.